Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for This podcast. Father John Ricardo, I'm your host. I'm Father John. I'm the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes and the church right now in these days in which we're living. And as always, I'm here with Nick and Mary, my co-host. We lost uh, Deacon Steve. I think we scared him away, didn't we? No, it was awesome having him on. <laughs> Moses is what we call that. him. But Moses ain't I here today. It's today. just the three of us. He brought out the goofiness in us yes, all, which is a did. great you thing. You can tell we have a good time. So we scared him away, but uh, nonetheless, Nick, uh, what's the topic today? Yeah, so our topic today is why we need to reimagine our parishes. Part three, now! <laughs> That's right, now, right? So so we're, we're in the middle of a, a, a bigger series on our white paper, which is titled, titled Reimagining What a Catholic Parish Can Be, a Destination for the 21st Century. But within this bigger series, we're kind of doing this thing like a mini-series, parts one, two, and three, where we have covered on part one, clergy and staff, just talking about how parish life is broken. Um, and that's one of the reasons we need to do this now. now. <laughs> part two, we covered the people in the pew and talked about how they deserve the best and they need to be equipped and they need the pastoral care. And that's another reason we need to do this now because they're not getting that, right? And then last episode, kind of like 3A, uh, that's where we talked about um, kind of an examination of conscience to be on mission. Mm. And when we say mission, we're talking about these people today, right? So part three, talking about nuns and fallen aways and how we really need to reimagine our parishes so no. we can reach these beloved brothers and sisters who are not with us on Sunday, if you will, right? So, Father John, we need to pray to talk about this wonderful, timely topic. Let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us right now as we have this conversation that we would say only those things that you desire us to say in such a way uh, that you desire us to say them so that they will be edifying and encouraging and inspiring for all those who are listening so that we would make the most of these times that you've chosen us to live in to address the needs that the church finds herself facing. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So maybe it might be helpful if we just um, kind of walked you through maybe four points to kind of contextualize what it is we want to talk about today. So first, I think it's important that we um, ask the question, where are we? Mm. Right? And then number two, what can and should we do given where we are? Right? Number three, why aren't we doing this? And then lastly, just to kind of close out our conversation today with a hopeful last word. Yeah, so let's start with where we are, right? So for, for us, you know, at least as we were talking about preparing for the podcast, the image that came to mind, uh, John Paul would often say, especially with moral issues, but not just moral issues, what you want to do is you want to try to put yourself in the role of the acting person. In other words, you want to try to imagine um, what would it be like to be this person? In our case today, this person is either the person who's fallen away mm. from the church, stopped going to church, or the person who is uh, oftentimes described as a nun, N-O-N-E, who's just never come to church. So first thing is, let's make the distinction. So um, Nick, you're more in that category, the age group-wise, of the nuns. What's a nun? Yeah, so so a nun is like a non-religious, religiously affiliated person, right? Somebody who doesn't identify with any religion at all. 
And now this doesn't mean they're not spiritually seeking, to be clear, and that's maybe another episode, but yep, that's what they are. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things we want to make is a distinction right away that we've got this large number of people who aren't coming to our churches, but they're very different from one another. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, people who used to come, who do not come anymore, and others who've just never come. So we want to try to ask, well, why would it be, first, those who've fallen away stopped coming? Why would they have stopped coming? And and as we try to do this, again, in the position of the acting person, I want to imagine I'm that person who's no longer coming. So I don't want to get defensive as a priest here or as people who work in the church. I don't want to get critical or judgmental. Like, let's try to understand serious reasons that would stop coming. So let's just put ourselves in the role of the acting person. Let's let's play um, why would, or play out, why would some people who used to go to church, why would they stop going to church? Mm. Well, you know, the first thing that's on my mind is the sexual abuse crisis. That's been in the news for years, right. years and years. And uh, this has touched our family in a particular way. We have family members um, who have been victims of sexual abuse in the church, and in those circumstances, they're no longer in the church. They have left the church, either for another church, or they've just left the church completely, and they're angry, and they're wounded, and they're afraid, so the trauma is still there after all these years. And I know how personal this is to you, and how deep it it scars uh, your heart, how much pain you experience, Mary, and and maybe just to say to people, um, without getting into particulars, this abuse involves both clergy and, and lay people in the church who both were perpetrators of the right. abuse on people, right? So so one reason, sexual abuse. Right. That's not the only reason, though. What, what are some other no, ones? No, there's so many. Uh, you know, one that comes to mind that's playfully but truly dear to my heart is just the, the poor music, right? I mean, like like you go, to, you go to Mass on Sunday, which you can call the Sunday. Some people use the word Sunday experience. Sunday is like the front door of your parish, right? The music at one of the parishes I grew up at was so bad, it would have been significant improvement to just not sing. I mean, it was, it was like a, the, you know, almost to say the anti-gospel because it just pushed people away. And um, uh, so, so that, that's one thing. Another thing, we're just rude. Yeah. I mean, so often the parishes are just rude. It's, I've had family try to come back to church that because they experienced rudeness on their first phone call back, it, it cemented them as gone. So you call the maybe you call the parish office. Correct. It's like, hi, St. Anne's, hold please. Uh, that's not a really warm greeting right. for the person who right. might be calling. Or the, or the classic that's, that's so common. Hey, uh, we'd like to get married there at St. Are Mary's? you a member? Are you a member? Uh, no. You know, when do you want to get married? In three months. Nope, bye. I mean, right. like, okay, done. Right. Not going there. So we got ugly We got ugly liturgies. You mentioned music. You know, I can own the preaching piece maybe. Um so sometimes preaching's just, you know, less than inspiring and compelling and attractive. Um, we've got inhospitality and rudeness. We've got uh, poor leadership in the church, right? People just yeah. kind of look around and they, they see a lack of heroic, strong leadership and on a whole host of levels. It's not right. just like bishops or priests or whatnot. It's like all over the place. What else? But just generally, I mean, you could sum all of that. Everything that we've just talked about is just really poor care for God's mm. people. Yeah, right. Right? It, exactly. Poor care, poor teaching. So how, how common is it, right, for us to hear somebody say something like, well, I didn't know I could come to church. I was told that I couldn't come because I'm divorced. Right. So 
to be sure, without getting into the details on the church's teaching on those who've been divorced and remarried outside the church, but just people who are divorced somehow have gotten the message wrongly that simply by being divorced, you're not allowed to come to mass even. We've heard things like that, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, just one, just one more is like, um, you know, one of my favorite professors in Steubenville said, uh, a thousand questions doesn't lead to one doubt. Like, we need to have an environment where we can just ask mm-hmm. difficult questions because yeah. by wrestling with truth, I can actually own the truth. Right. But so often the t- it's the case where I might ask a probing or deep question about faith that someone who's supposed to be a leader can't answer yeah. or, or even just uh, so- someone around me and I'll get scowled at or looked down upon or they'll get annoyed by and give me some simplistic answer or no answer at all. And then suddenly I'm like, well, if you guys can't answer my questions, obviously this cannot be the place where uh, truth is. So the way I, I, I phrase it oftentimes is uh, Catholicism is an adult faith, but unfortunately most of us have kind of grade school level education about Catholic teaching because that's the last time we actually, most of us, learned Catholic teaching with the exception of a homily. Unless we read blogs and books, but most people in the pews, they don't do that. And so when you're in grade school, like every class is getting harder. Like math's getting harder every year. English is getting harder. History's getting harder. Science is getting harder. Religion's not. Nope. God is love. It's a mystery. Don't ask that question. It's faith. And so by the time you get to ninth grade, you're like, there's nothing here. Like it's just vacuous when in fact it's exactly the opposite. We just all too often don't teach it. Okay, so lots more we could say yep. about that. These are the people who've fallen away, stopped going. Now, what about the nuns? What about the people who, for whatever reason, they've just never come to church? What are some of those reasons why people are religiously unaffiliated and wouldn't even think of coming to one of our churches? Yeah, so, so just one that immediately comes to mind is uh, it just looks irrelevant. I mean, and there's and there's like... Again, you could do a deep dive on just mm-hmm. how why the church looks irrelevant, you know? Um, I mean, just just like this is silly. We, we didn't talk about this before podcast, but like if we can't even have a decent looking website, you just look irrelevant. Right. So websites aren't the answer. Let's be clear. But right. like the, the most basic things that people would look at today is like mm-hmm. that's, that's easy to do, right? We can't even do it. Right. I, you know, on, you're spot on. Um, I think for me, I'm kind of going back to the conversation we just had just about um, poor care. I think it's how we behave. We're scandalous. Uh, We don't look like anybody else in the world. We don't look like people that have been set apart. We look and sound like the rest of the world. And, why, and it's scandalous. Why would I join you all? You guys don't look like you you're getting any, along. You're not yeah, loving each next, other. You're not speaking. Point, to next yeah. point, you have nothing yeah. to offer me because yeah. you look and sound just like me, which is, and you juxtapose that against the witness of the early church. Right. Yeah. Right. If, if, I'm, if I'm a nun and I'm looking at the, the political battle right now and I'm like exhausted of it because it's exhausting. <laughs> I, I go. I go to look at the church. Just maybe I did, and I oh, cardinal fighting cardinal, bishop fighting right. bishop, priest fighting priest, local Christian I know fighting local Christian yeah. I know. Y'all well, are divided what? too. Looks like the same thing. I'm exhausted. Oh, another reason certainly is uh, it's often said. You know, we say this about a lot of different situations, but people will say it about the church. Um, you're on the wrong side of history. This is especially true of sexual morality. So, for example, we used to say. In fact, we were talking about this offline earlier. Uh, all uh, very common expression. Most people aren't Catholic not because of what the church teaches, but what they think the church teaches. There was a time mm. that might have been true. That's not true anymore. The, the, 
there are some hard teachings from Jesus um, on a lot of levels. Forgiveness, um, the body, um, picking up your cross, uh, you know, um, loving him more than myself and uh, those who are closest to me. But certainly the church's teaching on sexual morality, it's a hard teaching. And so um, those are legit reasons why some people just won't enter into our doors. So we could, we could go in a lot of different directions still. I mean, we don't want to give this as an exhaustive list. Those are some of the reasons uh, why people have either fallen away or they're not coming to church. So that's a, a quick look at where we are. Well, let's look at what can and should we do mm-hmm. to reach these people, Right. Yeah, so so I mean, there's there's I think there's two levels, right? I mean, first the the individual level, which we'll talk about right now, and then obviously as a parish. So on an individual level, how we reach them, I mean, that's that is that's the that's like the unique call of the lady, right? Um, we are supposed to be out there in the world, sanctifying the world, getting God's world back, as we like to say, and um, so that's 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 a huge thing. Most most of the people we're referencing in this podcast aren't coming to the church. They do talk to me. They're my next door neighbor, um, and so, so. To Let be, me push back real quick. I don't think most people know that. I don't think most people know that it's their job, job, their beautiful responsibility, yeah. their awesome <laughs> task their in call. life, their call, their vocation by virtue of having been baptized. That it's their beautiful opportunity to share the gospel. They think it's my job. That's so, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the message that we hear in the pews. We expect, like, like we come as consumers or bystanders and expect it's Father's job or it's, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, where it's the staff's job, but it's a unique and beautiful call on our lives. We have a prophetic mission. Right. So sorry, Nick, didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, no, that was, that's like, ex- I just don't think on. people know that. Yeah, that, that, you're right. So now you know. It. You're right. Now, now, if you're listening, you know the lady's the lady has a unique role um, to go and sanctify the world, to go and get God's world back, to go uh, to to minister to their brothers and sisters and their neighbors. So, so you know, there's there's a way of saying like whatever your sphere of influence is, like that, whatever your unique sphere of influence. So maybe maybe, maybe you're a stay-at-home dad, maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're, maybe you're a construction worker, a garbage man, or office administrator. I mean, there's so many roles. Whatever your role is, there's people around you that uniquely touch your life. They have a touch point in your life. Those are the people that we're talking about, the nuns, the fallen aways, that you have access to that Father doesn't and, and you won't. And you don't need me to say, hey, you have my permission to go share the gospel with them and, and to tell people about what Jesus has done to change your life. Like, you don't need somebody from the church to tell you that. Like Jesus told you that when you got baptized, like go, right? So some people, they, they haven't heard it. Now you're hearing it. Some people know that and they're doing that, right? And there's some folks that quite honestly would tell you, I would love to be able to do that, but I just don't know how to do that. And right. Mary, you're awesome at right. doing that. <laughs> well, you know, Coaching. I, think, I think we all try, but we all need a coach in life or a mentor. Yeah. Or I like to call them anchors in the water. You know, to find a brother or a sister that's more mature in the Lord than I am and to be formed by that person. And so we right? talked last time, right, or one of the times before, one of the episodes about we want to give not only great pastoral care to the people in the pews, we want to give great equipping. Mm-hmm. And so how do we reach the fallen away and the nuns? This is a kind of a great little hinge piece here because um, one of the ways we reach them is we reach them by individually sharing the gospel, but some people need coaching 
to be able to do that. And that's something that a parish can and should do. I had a guy in a parish, you know, like you got three little kids at home, Nick. When you had them baptized, you answered yes to the question that was asked of you. Do you understand that it will be your responsibility to bring them up according to the law of Christ and his church? You said yes, which means it's your responsibility to do that. My task as a pastor is to Mm -hmm. augment Mm -hmm. your role. Right. But I remember hearing, um, talking to a friend and he just said, Father, I am sick and tired of being told I'm the primary educator of my kids in the faith. I know that. I don't know how to do it. Help me. So the parish is supposed to help. So the parish is supposed to help coach people to be able to go make disciples of others. Having said that, let's let's just shift our, our glance if we can to what other things can a parish do to reach the fallen away and the nuns, right? Let's, let's try to put it into two categories, yes. fall, like shallow entry points. And let's go back to that image you used, Nick, of the, the front door, like our Sunday experience. So what can we do to create shallow entry points for people who, they, they never heard the gospel or they think they have, but they've walked away. Mm. Right. So a shallow entry point, the, the image that comes to my mind when we talk about shallow entry points is a swimming pool. And so oftentimes, you know, if we really love someone, you know, we want to like, we want to unload on them, right? We want to take them immediately to the 10 foot mm. end of the pool when in fact, the best place to start might even be the baby pool or the waiting pool, that shallow point of the pool that's safe and comfortable. So for us in the parish where you and I serve, Father John, um, we offered the experience called Alpha, which was just a safe place to come and explore serious questions of life over a set of a number of weeks. But what we did was we offered it off the parish campus, outside the church. So we offered it in um, bars and restaurants and homes, and even in our workplaces, Ford Motor Company Mm -hmm. and Google and all these other places, because to your point, that's where we're encountering encountering those who have fallen away and who are nuns. And it's an easier... Um, threshold to cross yeah. than walking into a church. And, and I think we just want to overstate that point, right? That for those of us who've grown up Catholics mm-hmm. our whole lives, I don't think we understand just how difficult it is for somebody to walk into a church. So just remove the difficulty. Like host something at a restaurant. Host it in your home. Invite some people to it. Host it in the bar. You mentioned Alpha. We did that. Some people are doing the search uh, coming out of the Augustine Institute. There are all sorts of shallow entry point, you know, programs. We're all down on programs, but they are useful, right? As a way to gather people together in an environment that's safe, that's not threatening, where not everybody's going to say, well, you're wrong there. Like, that's not what the church teaches. Instead, it's just about, we want to love you, and we're excited that you're here, and we'd love to hear what's going on in your life, and what are the questions you're thinking about, and we want to share some things with you, and we just want to walk with you. And I just love the idea that we're going to them where they are. We want to be different if we we would say, hey, we want to offer this thing, and by the way, you have to come to our church. Right. Mm -mm. We can do that anywhere. Friendship, okay. wherever, wherever, wherever the people are, we can go to them and right. start to build those friendships. 
This is exactly right. And just just for anyone listening who's not really heard this before, like there's shallow entry points is so important, but like what's the deep end of the pool? Just to correctly identify that, like that's going to be like the theology of sacraments. That's going to be the different ways to pray. I mean, that's where conversations are going to happen that are deep in the church and the heart of the church is teaching and things. Right. And so people who are nuns, who are fallen away, they need to spend time over here, as Mary said, in this shallow end so they can have a chance to go, oh, I want to go deep. So one of the ways I might make the distinction is the deep end is one of the things that the church excels at. That's catechizing. We teach really well. We have 2,000 years of richness, a lot intellectual unpack. stimulation, mm-hmm. which has just uh, totally changed so many people's lives, right? What we don't tend to do very well, by and large, is evangelize. We don't have those easy because we're because we're afraid somehow that like i gotta get you to the deep end (laughs) asap like oh you want to be catholic here's the catechism read it tonight (laughs) like yo dude chill out like i just like you look different i was wondering why like don't give me the catechism just talk to me about jesus just spend time what he's done in your life right so okay one of the things that parishes can do is offer shallow entry points let's talk about the church front door right so let's Mm -hmm. talk more specifically about sunday liturgies or the Sunday experience. It's not confined to the liturgy. And maybe we can limit ourselves here too, because there's so much to talk about. And as we do this, like guilty is charged at all these levels personally. Right. And please don't take anything we're about to say as condemning. We do want to be convicting a little bit with it. And then we want to talk a little bit about why we're not doing the things that we think we should do. But let's just talk about Sunday. So without like killing anybody here as we talk about this stuff yeah you mentioned music yeah i already hit that one so all all too often like our music's just i don't know it's not fit for the king right Mm. and less music ministers think i'm throwing them under the bus like i'm right there with you oftentimes our preaching it's bad i mean it's just bad it's 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 short it came out of a online magazine it was totally irrelevant to what's going on in the culture. Like, think about right now, like how many guys are preaching every week about the only thing the world's talking about? Some places are, and other places are like, oh, I don't want to go near there because I'm not really sure that I've got anything to say, which of course just reinforces the impression that people have that the church has nothing to offer right now. So music, preaching, what else? Our welcome. Or lack thereof. Yeah. So as you walk in the door, who's greeting you? And are they greeting you with a smile? Right. You know, do you feel like you belong? Do you? Did you have the experience when I walked through the door, when you walked through the door, that someone saw me and they recognized that I was new? Right. right so and we started, started a ministry. It. We had a guy who, was, uh, who, who excels in hospitality. He's got a charism of hospitality and he has a career in hospitality. He created this from the parking lot to the pews experience. Mm. He's taught this in a variety of different parishes. It's just exceptional, right? I remember when we started to implement it, you know, so we get, we get all these greeters, ministers of hospitality is what we call them, not ushers. Like my job is not to pass out the bulletin. My job, if you will, is to smile at you my ministry yeah my ministry my right. call right. right smile at you welcome you like hey great to have you here see that you got three small kids and you might be struggling carrying all of them can i help you with that <laughs> find you a pew point you to where the bathrooms are and when we started doing this i remember a woman came up to me and she says why are we wasting all this time with this <laughs> like i don't need to be greeted at the door i just want to get in get out go home and i'm like great then you're gonna hate it here 
because we're going to do we this. Are. This is who we are. Like, this is who the church is supposed to be. We're actually supposed to be inviting. And I know for some of us, uh, depending upon the age we're at, like for me, like I don't understand this way of thinking, but it's a legit way of thinking. More than I'm interested in truth, I'm interested in a sense of belonging. I want to know, like, do I belong here? Are you guys warm? And only after that, only after I've experienced your warmth, your friendliness, your kindness, am I remotely interested in hearing what you have to say. You got a great story of a young couple that came to our parish and uh, what right. they experienced there, how it got, how they got one. Yeah, so they were new to the area and they were visiting parishes, trying to find a parish home. And um, they got one simply because as they walked into the church and they were looking for a place to sit, they found a pew. And without having to ask, this sounds so simple, the people that were sitting on the end of the pew scooted in and made room for them. Because oftentimes what we do is we sit where we are and people climb over us because this is my spot. And I remember she and her husband said, that's how we landed here at the parish. And then, oh, by the way, this beautiful young woman joined our staff and served our staff beautifully for years and is a beautiful family. But something that small that we think is that insignificant was a massive deciding point for them. I remember when she told that story, she was talking about you want to you want to know what got us here. I'm like, it was the incredible preaching, right? <laughs> you know, or it was the unbelievable worship, or it was you know the beauty of the no, it was that. And I'm like, that's what got you to come back. Yeah, yeah. that that one thing, that simple little act of someone sliding over as opposed to pulling their knees yeah. up so that I could walk over them. So 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 Sunday's the front door, and. You know, we're we're trying to win back divorcees, mm. and we're trying to be relevant and human to to nuns. So as the culture, in large part, just continues to basically uh, become less and less personal and dehumanizing, as we lose the understanding of what it means to be human, the littlest act of kindness, Exhibit A, sliding over in the pew, right, jumps it, out. This jumps off the page because suddenly I'm seen. You acknowledge I'm here. We talked about loneliness, depression, isolation, all that all the time. You know, suicide. Just being seen is so essential. And we can do that on Sunday. So let, let me let me say the obvious here. So like for most people who are working in a parish, if you're a priest or you're on parish staff, uh, or maybe you're remotely involved in a parish, like none of this is new. Like duh like our preaching supposed to be better our music supposed to be better we're supposed to have hospitality it'd be great to be able to offer shallow entry points right. equipping to, me to hire somebody to run evangelization and discipleship the, the the why aren't we doing this it's not usually because we don't know this it's because we don't have the resources to do it with few exceptions right so some parishes are doing these things or they're doing some of these things But most parishes, quite honestly, because of the structures that we have, are not equipped to be able to do the things that we need to do to care for the people in the pews, to reach the fallen away and the lost, and to adequately compensate the staff and the priests, right? That's the whole point of the the white white paper. paper. And this isn't going to change if we don't do something. And we know it's going to be messy. And we know it's going to require radical change, and it is a heavy lift. And what do you mean by radical? 
Let by radical, I mean word. like going to the very root. Yeah, so cause. not extreme, right. extremist, but yeah. Yeah, and um, and so you know, even as I'm part of this conversation, it can sound kind of sad, but the reality is. God has a plan. It doesn't have to be this way. And that's why we started to pray and dream with the Holy Spirit. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But you're right, Father, we're limited by the people. uh, Those are the resources. And then by finances and structures. Nick, you talk about that all the time. Yeah. I mean, we have to rethink it from the ground up, right? Structural changes have to be huge. You know, and so, so... There, there, my, where my where my family lives in, in Illinois, I mean, I think in 15 minutes they can get to like 15 different parishes, and they're all pretty darn mediocre. This isn't this isn't a knock on anyone leading them. I want to be clear about that. There's just so little resource at each of those individual places. They're so stretched. They're so stretched. I mean, imagine if we took those 15 and let's say we got down to to two. Right. I mean, there could be five priests at each one. There could be multiple tremendous staff members at those places. And all of a sudden, instead of driving 15 minutes to 15 parishes, all mediocre, we could have two amazing parishes, you know, excellent parishes in those, in those locations. But um, with this, it's also, it's also for those people who are out there who are like hearing this and they're like, well, man, we try really hard on hospitality. We tr- I, I'm a, I love preaching. I try really hard on preaching. We want to acknowledge like you can probably carry the water on a couple of these things. Right? I mean, Father, you, if you have a charism and you're excited and your life is life-giving to preach, you're probably putting a lot of energy into that. Praise Jesus, right? Or maybe there's a music minister just killing it or some, some hospitality right. team somewhere. You can probably carry the water on a couple, but to actually do all of these things well in a way that actually transforms the culture of the parish, that equips the saints for the work of ministry, right? You and me in the pew. <laughs> and that actually would be a, a great front door to the fallen away and to the nuns you're going to have to fundamentally, radically, in a rooted manner, transform the parish structure. So let's end on an encouraging word then, because this can sound depressing, and it's anything but, right? So right. Since, since we've written this, um, I think one of the things that's been so inspiring to us is uh, how many bishops and how many dioceses have reached out to us and said, hey, we just want to let you know we're reading this. Um, we're more than intrigued. We know we need to do something. It's been really helpful to have you guys, you know, as we often put it, think on behalf of those of us Mm. who are trying to put out fires all day long. So thanks for doing that. And again, to be clear, like we don't claim to have the answer. We're just trying to get the conversation started Mm. and to offer a template for what we can do. And again, the encouraging word is lots of people are beginning to think seriously about what we can and should do. So don't be discouraged, be encouraged and be encouraged by the fact that you and I are alive right now in a time when the Spirit is moving in a powerful way, what's getting the headlines is what's going on in the culture around us. And the Spirit's moving there, too, because the Spirit's calling us to do transformation in, in culture, transformation in relationships, so that we, we take seriously this genuine human desire for unity, for reconciliation, for um, true community, for love, for forgiveness, for, for justice. justice, right? I mean, like, those are legit things. And the Spirit's moving there. We want to be attentive to His voice, and then we want to act accordingly. And the Spirit's moving in the church, too. That's why He destined you to be alive right now, and He gave you gifts, both natural and supernatural, for this time, whether you're a bishop or you're a pastor, you're an associate, you're a deacon, you're a layman or woman on a staff, or you're a person in the pews. Like, God created you for this moment, and these are not dark days. These are great days to be alive, and God's placed us here. So, 
As always, as you look around, whether it's at the world or at the church, don't be afraid. God is with you. And you were born for this. <laughs> <laughs>